Welcome to Drop School. It's more about being able to scale and become the biggest brand you want to be, but without losing authenticity. An eight-week journey following one unknown designer. My name is Jordi. I'm 19 years old, and I'm about to drop the first product on my brand. Going from no brand to pulling off his very first drop event. The process is working. When you've got a deadline, you have to do it. Each week, a new masterclass. It was authentic. It was transparent. I was just kicking down that door for the younger me and my friends who was never told that this was the thing that you could do. Each week, a new challenge. Yeah, well, you're going to lose trust from your customers from that as well. And once you've lost it, it's so hard to get back. This is Drop School. Life-changing opportunities might come my way. Hey, Jordi, this is Alizé Demange, your Drop School mentor. I can't believe how quickly the time has gone. We're coming up to your drop date really fast and there's still a lot to get done. This week, we're going to be focused on how to grow your brand without selling out. It's time for the penultimate lesson of Drop School. So we've come to pick up Jordi and take him to meet Alizé in Ladbrook Grove for our penultimate episode of Drop School. Hi, Jordi. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm really good, you know. Are you ready for this week's episode? Yeah. So, welcome to episode seven, how to grow up but not sell out. What do you think? What do you think that means? I know what you mean, like, get the bag, typey. Yeah, sell out, like, what's another time for that? Say, like, you're a rapper from the ends, and then when you started getting money, you didn't check for any of the money. Oh, yeah, no, I made no, songs with Katy Perry, yeah. um, Katie yeah, Perry, yeah, yeah, I think. You're a sell out. Ah, cool. How to grow up but not sell out. It's more about being able to scale and be the biggest brand you want to be, but without losing the essence of your authenticity. Do you know what I mean? How do you maintain that? Which is really hard to do, when obviously you need to prioritise the business being a business and make money, but also still retain like that cool community and credibility. Mm. Think about Supreme and Off-White. Mm -hmm. They started small and now they're like everywhere and probably accessible pretty much everywhere. The challenge is holding onto their street credibility as they gain popularity. Vivian Westwood is actually a good example because when she started designing, it was more like a reaction to the punk movement, like anarchy. And then she went straight into like the fashion world. And it's kind of hard, I guess, coming from, I don't know, like a reaction to culture and creating like a brand through that and then going off into like the fashion industry and quote unquote being on catwalk. It's like it's a completely different shift. Yeah. And I think it's happened a lot with like different streetwear brands where like you see a lot more quote unquote streetwear silhouettes on catwalk from big house designers. Yeah, nothing's really not cool enough to be high fashion. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Case. I don't think there's anything that can be not deemed as high fashion now. Culturally, like, there's been a shift. But then street culture has more of an impact on trends in fashion than catwalk. Yeah, because that's what the mass is into now. Mm. I feel like half of the people who are buying clothes don't care about catwalks. So this week, <laughs> I've set you up to meet with Simon Supendagli, mm -hmm. Birmingham-based fashion entrepreneur. Back in the day, Simon owned Edge Star, a seriously cool men's fashion sport in Old Street Station. Edge just started as a multi-brand store, gaining an online fan base and creating buzz with pop-ups. In 2018, Simon amped it up by making Edge Star his collection and took it to Paris Fashion Week. He's got decade-long experience as a youth worker. He created like At The Edge, a community project that guides young minds in the fashion market. So I'm hoping he's gonna give you some serious wisdom. Okay, we are on our way to go and meet Simon. Sellout will probably be being stocked in a shop that don't make sense, like Urban Outfitters, for me. 
that wouldn't make sense and would definitely be strictly for the money. So something like that would be a sellout. People can smell authenticity. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to this. When Urban Outfitters comes calling in five years and Jordy's posing with a thumbs up. My price for being stuck to Urban Outfitters is the... <laughs> <laughs> the price, yeah, is the whole Recall Project brand. If I was to do that, I'm making a new brand straight away. I'm, like, ditching it to be. But it has to be for good cause, like, to retire my family. Oh, numbers. Like, one mil? Nah, one mil is nothing. Five, five, five mil. One mil is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> cool, we're just pulling up to meet with Simon off Brick Lane in East London. Yep. Simon. Nice to meet you. you right? Yeah, I've been good. Yeah? Where you been up to today? Well, it's just travelling down, man. It's coming down from the mid. We're heading into yeah. Rude showrooms, just next to the Truman Brewery. It's pretty close to where Simon used to have his Edgedare store. Yeah, he would have probably been a bit young when I was when Edgedare was doing its thing. Nah, 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 Simon is just chatting to Geordie about how he used to find out about drops back in the day, before Instagram. I'd be on the forum, so the forums, you know, some people <laughs> have a link somewhere, and then we'd know what was dropping. Mm -hmm. So I'd travel down from Wolves, we'd sleep outside the store, bro. That's so Camp outside sick. the store, there'd be about 20 of us. It was like a cult, a different world to one we live in now. To see somebody walking down the street with a pair of babes design, you know what I mean? It was just like Neo, slow motion mode. <laughs> and I was like, whoa! Get me like... Yeah. Babe was my first kind of real, you know, entry to the space, man. Yeah, yeah, no, I love Babe so much. That's one of the brands that really, like, got me hooked when I was coming up into clothes. First off, I was like, this is a really childish shitty. And then I was yeah. like, yeah, this is sick. <laughs> yeah, man, it is. So what was the come up of Edge like? I was working as a youth worker for like 10 years, man, in the community. Um, but I was always interested in fashion and streetwear. So in 2012, I took a year out and went traveling around the world. And when I come back, I was 31 years of age and it was an opportunity for me to kind of take a leap of faith and do something, you know, what I was really interested in, which I was spending all my time chatting to man all over the world yeah. about what's dropping next and that. I got a job in a local clothing store, just working as a sales assistant, man. Started posting on Instagram, what I was posting on the forums, developed a following, met a few brands and people. And then I had an idea where it was like, if I've got this following, I like what these brands are doing, but not, they ain't got no following, nobody knows about them. I can present their product to my audience and maybe they'll buy them. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a penny to my name. What I proposed to them was send me some pictures, I'll post it on my website, and if we get in a sale, I'll send you the details and you send it to the customer. It's like very raw, yeah. early affiliate <laughs> marketing kind of, do you know what I mean, caveman. I, I like the unprofessionalness of it. Like, you're just like, yeah, yeah I'll give you, I'll tell you him and then he'll tell you. Yeah, 100, we'll man. link it together, that's so sweet. Just getting my hustle on, basically, bro. Like, you know, and that went well. Got mm -hmm. a couple brands, pictures in my living room with the, you know, stocked up with all this stock everywhere and it, like the orders are flying out. It was moving quick, so it was like, okay, what next now? So we'd launched an online web store. Remember, I had no products, so I was just taking pictures and mm -hmm. just budging it together, but it was working. So then someone mentioned this thing to me called a pop-up shop. And I was like, what's that? You get me? That wasn't a thing then. This yeah. is 2012. So long story short is we did a pop-up shop outside Selfridges. And I remember bursting around the corner that morning 
and just nearly welling up with tears, man, because I've just seen the store that we'd worked so hard to put together for mm -hmm. this weekend, not knowing what was going to happen. Mate, there's a queue all the right way round onto, onto Oxford Street, blocking off Bond Street Station. Mm -hmm. The police had to come. There's like four hour queues all day. Sick. It was, it, it was emotional. We had people from Paris, Berlin. I was just in the zone, man. I was just like, what next, what next, what next, what next? It was all about momentum. So I went to Paris Fashion Week these pop-ups are moving, I went to Canada, and then we launched that store. Like a lot of fashion brands, Edgedair took a big hit from COVID and closed its doors in 2020. How do you feel about how streetwear was back then and how it is now? I think there's a lot more now. So that there's a lot of pros and cons to that. There's a lot more on the table, like competition's healthy, it brings out the best in people, you get me? But I think for me, what's lacking is that mystique. We used to go, we have to travel, like explore, it's that human desire to discover and explore. I feel lost a bit now, mm -hmm. which is a bit sad. That's why with the store that we had, we converted an old toilet from the Victorian era in the underground station into the store that we did. There was, there was no windows, just a little doorway in the underground station. And if you know, you know, it was just hidden away there, man. It was like a whole different world you were walking into. So you feel like the experience of a shop definitely adds to the product and adds to what people are buying into? I think so. I think um, it allows, you know, an opportunity for you to really physically demonstrate who you are and what you're about. Do you feel like community around it was what made Edgejar what it was? 100%, bro, like, that was um, what we became renowned for. That's mm. what our thing was, you know what I mean? Each brand has their identity, ours is community. And it was really bringing back my background as a youth worker coming through. Like, it was honest, it was authentic, it was transparent. I was just kicking down that door for the younger me and my friends who was never told that this was the thing that you could do, you get me? Yeah. While you are doing pop-ups and gaining traction, how did you remain authentic? I'll be honest with you, I find it challenging at times, really challenging. Really? Mate, massively. I'm just going to tell you how it is, man, mm -hmm. but it was, very, it was very hard in the sense that, remember, you know, this guy in Wolves, fashion, wow, I'm here, I'm doing it, Paris fashion, we've got parties, people queuing up, and my lifestyle started to change. My, my peer groups, you know, I was meeting people from within the industry and all these people, like, and they kind of started having a bit of an influence on me. Certain decisions and direction of where I was going and what I was doing mm -hmm. were influenced in hindsight, in my opinion, in a bit of a negative way, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I kind of lost my way a little bit. I was getting a bit confused and torn, but then I had a store, I had bills to pay, staff, it was all getting serious. I was just working 24 hours, 25 hours a day, madness. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing it, you're in the zone, it doesn't feel like that, that 24 hours, it felt like an hour. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's the magic of it. It's hard doing your own thing in lots of ways, but the benefits of it are, do you know what I mean? Is you're living your dream, you're doing what you want to do constantly. What are some things that causes brands to sell out when they gain popularity? It's that money chase, isn't it? I can reference Clint and what he's doing. You know, brands come to him for something and my man could have probably picked up a, a nice payday off that. He knows it's a marathon, not a sprint. I'm a person where I definitely not want to sell out, but maybe life-changing opportunities might come my way that I might be able to retire my parents or something <laughs> like that. I think that tension is measured by your belief. Mm -hmm. Like, 
Clint, his belief is unparalleled in itself, you know what I mean? So that sees him through. He will have a vision for his brand beyond the product. How would you like to impact the world? What mm -hmm. do you want your brand to represent? I want it to represent high fashion with streetwear tendencies. Like, I don't want it to be too serious mm -hmm. because vintage military could be serious. So I want to have a lot of youthfulness behind it, build a community by having pop-ups. I really want to see people just wearing it in the streets of London mm. with like all different styles, not necessarily the way I wear it. And I really want to be recognised as someone who's from East London and is able to open people's eyes. Your brand is your tool, you can do anything. So once you've established what that vision is with purpose, that is what's going to carry you through these decisions and, mate, authenticity trumps all. I really like your style, your aesthetic, well, like, which is why I've, you know, I'm not surprised that you're developing a following, this traction's mm -hmm. happening. To me, it's refreshing in the sense that it's individual. Mm -hmm. You know, not everything's going to be that what I would wear personally, mm -hmm. but that doesn't matter, bro. It's like your individuality is what's key. Cool, so Geordie's got some great insight from Simon, and now it's time to hear what his seventh challenge is going to be. I want you to start thinking about what we was talking about in regards to your mission. Have you got a website? No, not yet. So that could be a, a good starting point. Mm -hmm. Think about that being a portal to your brand from people who've never heard about you, never come across you, but now you're global. Anyone can land on that website. Mm -hmm. What is it that they're gonna see? So thinking about your identity and your mission and vision, and you present that in a website. That's going to be a very big challenge <laughs> to make yeah. a website with a lot of pressure. So it's been a good masterclass to help set Geordie up from his latest drop school challenge. And Simon has helped set up a meeting with another industry expert to give Geordie a bit more advice on growing your brand without selling out. Emay was one of the young people who come and presented his brand at like a multi-brand retail experience mm -hmm. that I curated yeah. for Fashion Week. And that was, I think, very early on in his brand's journey and he's gone on to mm -hmm. do some great stuff. But I've got all the belief in the world in you, man. You're standing alone, just keep going, man. Thank you very much. You know much. what I mean? I appreciate it. Yeah? Thank you. All right, well, man, nice one. We've wrapped with Simon, so now we're heading to go and meet Ime Enomoku at his studio in East London. Ime is the founder of Jehuko, a luxury streetwear brand which started in 2016 when he was studying business at Kent University. And he's managed to keep his collab super aligned with the brand. So I think he'll be a good person for Geordie to chat to about growing your brand authentically. We have just arrived at his studio, so we're going to head up and have a chat. So we are seven years deep now making clothes and bags, doormats, rugs, Speaking with Simon about not selling out, doing collabs that don't make sense or being stuck somewhere that don't make sense because of the money. And I was just trying to ask him, how do I decide which one makes sense for me? How do you decide which one makes sense for you? If I don't get excited by it, mm -hmm. like if it's not like an instant yes, then it's a no in my opinion. Like when the Shivas team hit me up for the collaboration, it makes sense because like whiskey is very much in my personal bag mm -hmm. of like playing golf and then so and so. Yeah. Like in the lockdown, I drank a lot of whiskey in lockdown, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Our second one was with the FA Cup, and obviously I love football, I'm an Arsenal fan. Yeah. It was an instant <laughs> yes, because it made sense for the brand uh -huh. and myself personally as well, but we've been hit up before, I won't name names, but mm -hmm. like, 
they were trying to take advantage of the company. The money was there, but I was like, to our consumer and our community, are they gonna see it and see it as like, okay, this brand's going forward, mm -hmm. or is it just more like, that was just quick cash for them, yeah. trying to just flog some random clothes to us. They can see through it so easy nowadays, so it's yeah. like, you have to be careful, you can lose trust from your customers from that as well, and once you've lost it, it's so hard to get back, so it's really important to know what you're doing. Okay, Jordi, do you want to chat a little bit about this week's challenge to design a website? What was your first website like? Was it decent? <sighs> that was a pack of rubbish. <laughs> so, I'll, be so, I'll be so real. The background was orange, uh -huh. like, which is a complete eyesore instantly. Like, not comic sans, but like a very poor choice of text as well. Yeah. Like, I was having fun and just testing it out. I built it on Wix initially, and then I changed to Shopify of most recent times. Mm. And I think you can compare our website now to back then, you can just see the levels above. Honestly, if the product is good enough, it will still sell, but just don't make an orange background as well. <laughs> like was... Do you think I should go the route of a website maker like Shopify or Squarespace, or should I pay someone to make me a website? Shopify. I think one thing I really was big on when I started about me learning every single role that I could at the start, because you know, I now know the standard. So mm -hmm. like, if I'm to get an employee on board now, I know this is what I expect from you, yeah. I've done it myself before. Learning it will be fun for you as well, because then you can like edit it on the go, you can make things, you can change things faster as well. Do you think there are some non-negotiables about making a website? Non-negotiables? I would say it's the apps that you have on the website, where if someone buys something, it will push like more products to them after, or it will suggest like, oh, if you're gonna buy this hoodie, you might as well add in these pants or these socks as well. I think that's important, because uh -huh. like, we've seen thousands of pounds made just from that alone, and I ain't gonna do anything. Mm -hmm. I just set it up and then AI will handle the rest <laughs> of it, and that's just, that's just printing money at that mm -hmm. point. I also think having your email list going as well, because again, that's printing money, because you can sell to a consumer you already had before much more easier and for a lower cost than trying to get a new person on board. Someone that's bought a hoodie from you before knows the quality. The main thing for the website is keeping it clean. Yeah. Like, you don't want to confuse them, have like loads of text, have it clean, good imagery, clean photos that really show the garment in its best light. And also on the product page, you have to have someone wearing the garments and showing how it fits on their body as well and have a size guide that is clear on it ne as well. Necessity are, having yeah. someone wearing it. Yeah, if you don't have that, then for someone who's not used to the brand, like let's say you've got like very unique silhouettes of your garments, I, how's it gonna fit on me? I can't tell from just a photo. You could have mm -hmm. photoshopped that or whatever, so I need to see it on the person's body so I can be sure, cool. He's six foot five wearing size large, that's how it's cool. I can probably get around the size XO or so mm -hmm. and so. It's really key to have that. It was proper nice speaking to you. Right, Thank you, you very too, much. No you gave me a Good lot of good brand. information. Any advice you need as well, just give me a shout. Appreciate it. I'm gonna get me some wide leg pants as well. Yes, sir. Do I'm you ever see yourself wearing something like this? Something I could like... do it, but I think because I'm so tall, I'm gonna look crazy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you see a man my height with trousers down. In that your size, thing. it'll be like. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hazard to people Not on the street. Either. So Jordi and Alizé are having a little brainstorm to get some inspo of website designs they like and don't like so much. For example, like I cannot stand black background sure. websites, yeah. period. Yeah. I don't know what it is, I hate it, I think it looks ugly. Cortez has never come off the black background, bro. 
he has that I don't give a fuck attitude. With a website, yeah, it will always be hosted on a platform, yeah. So you might have it on Squarespace, might be Wix, or if you want to make it completely from scratch uncoded, then that's a whole more expensive. I really hate when you can tell that a website's made on Squarespace and has the same layout as everyone else. I want Recall Project to feel original. I'm not sure if I'm going to pay someone to do it because um, I just really like having stuff perfectly. Geordie's got some strong opinions on what a website should look like. But I've told him you can't run before you can walk. And with time running out, he just needs to get started and build from there. You have to think of the mobile version. I'm just going to work on the landing page for now so I can focus on that one page being as perfect as possible. So that's how I'm planning on going about it. Geordie finalised his website design last night, so we're going to head to Labrooke Grove to meet with him and Alizé. Hi, Geordie. Hi. How Welcome are you? back. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm you fine. right? How was your weekend? It was good. Yeah? I'm in Carnival. So we're going to get mic'd up and have a little debrief on this week's masterclass, how to grow up without selling help. I sent you to Simon Supendagli. Simon was cold. He had a lot, a lot of knowledge. He was basically telling me that I have to find my end goal and then make sure that everything I do aligns with it. Okay, Geordie, let's break down your website design for Alizé. So basically, this is the first page of the website. Read out your ethos. Okay. Proclaim it. The purpose of Recall Project is to recall old military garments with new and modern silhouettes, giving it a Geordie twist. I want people to feel confident while wearing Recall Project. Love, Geordie. And oh, I like that I'm a message. So what Geordie's come up with is a close-up image of all the patches he had made in Paris when he went to visit Pablo's factory. And then on top of that, he's got an iMessage picture of the brand ethos written. Cool. But what do you feel about the ethos? Personally, mm -hmm. I feel like it feels a bit too like you wrote this like for essay for school. Yeah. And I think you could change it a little bit to feel more like Geordie. Mm -hmm. Give Recall Project a voice and like make it your voice. So how would you rewrite that in a way that you would actually write that? Yeah. Don't no, worry about it feeling like a... Uh, professional or unprofessional. No, because it, you're meant to attract your tribe. Mm -hmm. So you need to call it out exactly how you would call it out because you need those people to come to you. Have you seen the Ryanair song? No. Ryanair, yeah, have got someone doing their socials and it, it gives Ryanair some kind of weird tone of voice. Oh, like, oh, like they just comment on random posts? Yeah, or like they make my bare meme, like they play on the whole idea of Ryanair being shit or Ryanair, like, do you know what I mean? They, they make it funny. You are funny, you know? Mm -hmm. Humour's sick like that because whoever gets your humour, that's your people, isn't it? Obviously, not everything has to be on serious, but is that just that developing that personality that people get? I don't know which stuff to like differentiate that you have to keep serious and unserious. Well, for example, earlier before you were saying, I want my lookbooks to be serious, mm -hmm. like 100%, and I think 100% you need to have slightly serious lookbooks. And also, then you can come with something comedic because it's just fun. Mm -hmm. Why not? Do you know what I mean? And that's also nature of advertising. Like we've always had like something that would make you laugh and engage and emotive. But then we have something serious because we need to sell our product. Mm -hmm. It's just a balance. Does it remind you a bit of the red boot? The yeah. red boot for me is completely unserious. Mm -hmm. There's nothing serious about that. No. But 
they bagged it. But technically, people are buying it and wearing it, so then it becomes serious. So. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, the, yeah. the line between is. It's, yeah, but I don't think you don't need to really deep the line. Because as long as people are buying it. Okay, so Simon's got back to us with some feedback on your challenge, Jordy. Yo, Jordy. Yes, man, I love the website. Um, great work in such a short period of time as well, man. I know you've been grafting. Um, I really love the images of the patches, the detail shots. Um, brings people close to the brand. I think um, it's real, it's authentic. You, it sounds like it's from the heart. It works. I would just think about, you've got the tabs above saying shop and stuff like that. Is that something you want now? Or did you maybe, just to put on the table to consider doing like an enter password to kind of gain access and be notified of when we drop to kind of build that exclusivity. But that's only one option, remember? It's not one shoe fits all, it's whatever works for you. Yeah, all the best for you, bro. Let me know if you've got any more questions. Looking sick. The process kind of is working. When you've got a deadline and someone else is imposing it on you, you have to do it. It's like, it's kind of been a crash course. I've been very much a part of the process. I've been very, very proud of you. Yeah. Like, at the beginning, you were so nervous and didn't have a clue, and now it's like, it's there's all these things. I can see you, like, proper thinking, like. <laughs> this process has definitely helped me. Seeing, like, a real proper vision for myself in the features. And now I see that I really want to take doing recall projects in one way and make it perfect. Be careful with saying that you want to make it perfect. Nothing in this world's ever going to be perfect, is it? But it needs to be the best representation of how you want it to be. Yeah, this is it's it. It's over, Damn, man. You're actually going to, like, part ways with recall project. I'll know what it took to get there and, like, I can't wait to see your launch, innit? <laughs> now we're like gearing towards the launch event, the drop, the actual, the actual drop. Damn, it's crazy. So we finished the seventh week of drop school and Geordie's drop event is round the corner. I sort of want to make it into an event, maybe have like DJs there, have my clothes on display and make it very social as well. I want it to like, people to be able to go there and socialise and just have fun. I really want it to be community based. Like, even if we sent it the pop-up, yeah, with a scent that feels like recall project, yeah. that would be sick. I'm thinking of what I think this shop could smell like. Proper. Earthy. Earthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a trench, isn't it? <laughs> nah, that's crazy. I feel like it's something like... Vintage. No... It looks like a vintage. Ah, uh, oh, my gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> No, but it would be sick if you were like, I made a, a luxury version of a, of a vintage box. <laughs> that is gentrification. <laughs> it's just a process, isn't it? Yeah. You're thinking about everything. Mm -hmm. People love that, that there's a thought process. Yeah. Next time on Drop School. We're diving into the art of the perfect drop. Who's to say you can't be the next popping brand? So, Geordie's bulk order hasn't arrived yet and we're starting to stress. Ultimately, this is what I'm taking all my risks for. This is what I want my life to do. And when your confidence can end, like right now I'm seeing you, you're doing like, you're, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're doing your thing, young yeah. boy. <laughs> Drop School is brought to you by WePresent. WePresent's arts platform and was produced by Curly Media. 